Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. Well, we appreciate you being here. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for being here today. I really sense the presence of the Lord in this house, and I believe God is here today. And so we're going to dive right in. I have a lot to say this morning in a short time, and I'm going to dive right into this message. I'm going to read the scripture. We are continuing our series called Finish the Fight, and we're talking about a spiritual warfare. We're talking about an invisible war that we're in spiritually and the battle that we're fighting. And Paul the Apostle uh, puts it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said, don't be afraid of the suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. This is the gospel. And fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. He knew that he didn't have long to live. But I love what he said here. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. Hallelujah. So let's pray. God, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. I thank you today for your grace in this room. That you'd open every heart, every mind. Lord, you know what state of mind people are in today. You know what their hearts are at today. I pray that you'll speak into their lives. Let the Word of God become alive. Let the Word of God become real to them today. Your Word is relevant in 2023 as it was when it was written. So I pray today for your Holy Spirit to anoint every word that I speak and that the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name, and everyone said, all right. So the Bible tells us, as I covered last week, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to the message. I was talking about the battle within, and how many know we're all fighting a battle that's within us? In fact, I talked about three enemies that we face, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world comes against us. Uh, with the influences around us. And, of course, Satan comes against us with the temptations. And then the battle within us is the flesh, which we call our human nature or our lower nature. And so your biggest enemy is not Satan. Your biggest enemy is not the world. Your biggest enemy is your flesh. You are their biggest problem. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, I am the biggest problem here. You are. Really are. All right. Man, you, I get you guys talking and forget this. I'll lose the crowd. But uh, as I said last week, a lot of us want to run away from our problems. Uh, you want to run away to Hawaii or Cancun. But here's the problem. You take you with you. And it's us that's the problem. It's us that needs the changing and the transformation. So this morning, if you're looking for a title of this message, I, I, I came up with this title. I didn't read anything. I came up with it. I thought it was really brilliant. It's Win the Battle Within. Win the Battle Within. 
Now, I'm going to tell you why I thought I was so brilliant, because I said, I don't think anyone's ever come up with this title. And I Googled it, and there's all kinds of books that say, Win the Battle Within. And another one says, Winning the Battle Within. I go, I thought I was the original, but I, apparently I'm not. So, win the battle within. And last week, we talked about two natures that every believer has. The old nature, right? I don't even know what the old nature is. That's the hood in you. All of us have that hood that comes out of us. And then that wants to have fun, that, that's convenient, and not necessarily wants to do the right thing, uh, but just wants to do what it wants to do. In fact, the Bible talks about sin is pleasurable for a season. There's a lot of things that we do that are not actually good for us. There's a lot of things that we do that are actually self-destructing. And when you read the Word of God, God is telling us that that's the flesh. That's the lower nature. And then the new nature is the Spirit of God that's in you. When you became born again, He gave you a new nature. And those na that nature of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God in you is in battle with the, the old nature. And so, in fact, we read about Romans chapter 7 where Paul gives us his great testimony. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Who shall deliver me from this battle or from this body of death? Thank God Christ Jesus sets me free. And so Paul talks about how uh, Romans chapter 7 talks about the struggling Christian, the, the Christian that is struggling in their walk with God. But I want to focus today on Romans chapter 8, and this is the victorious Christian. This is the Christian that overcomes. This is the Christian. So I want to give you a few things today that are going to help you overcome, going to help you overcome overcome ourselves, right? Because how many know life is about choices? Everything that you do, what's best for you, what's right for you, and really what God wants for you. And I would say it this way, most of our dissatisfaction in life is because we don't listen to what God has for us. We listen to ourselves. And how many know everything that we tell ourselves is not actually true? Can I just be honest? We lie to ourselves. The biggest liars are us, right? We are the biggest liars. We lie to ourselves. Where do liars go? Reach church paramount, right? We're, we're, we lie to ourselves. My wife didn't want me to say that. I said it again. I'm sorry, honey. I, 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 she says, why do you say that? Well, because we lie to ourselves. And so these are things that are self-destructing uh, and really kind of deceive us into believing this lie of things uh, that really begin to, we miss what God has for us. And there's several things I'm not even going to be able to get into it. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to just tell you a couple of things that really deceive us is that we begin to believe the lie of shame. We begin to believe the lie of guilt. We begin to believe the lie of th things that are suggested or thoughts that the enemy puts into us, uh, bad habits, uh, fear, hopelessness begin to get a hold of us. And if we're not careful, we become bitter and insecure. And I, I, I can't get into all of those, but I want to give you a few answers that, that God's word tells us in Romans chapter 8 
to overcome all of these things that begin to assault our mind and begin to get a hold of our lives. And it's found in Romans chapter 8. And so we're going to go through this chapter. I'm going to kind of break down a few of the verses to help us as we get involved in it. But I believe this, that how many know that only God's spirit and God's grace enables you and gives you the power to overcome ourselves. Am I right? I don't care how many books you've read. You said, well, you know, I read Oprah's book. Uh, I'm part of her book club. I, I read Dr. Phil's uh, book. And, 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 and how, all those things aren't going to help you. All these self-help books uh, are not going to help you. Only God can free you. I don't care how many seminars you go to. The answer, uh, this is what Paul says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin. He said, thank God it's Christ Jesus. As I said last week, it's not a thing that frees you. It's a person that frees you. It's not a pill. It's not a program. Only Christ Jesus can free you. And so how can we be free? A couple of things I want to say to you first is you got to have a mind shift. you got to begin to change the way you think. Proverbs 23 Verse 7 says, as the man thinks within himself, so is he. So the way you think is what you become. And this is why we need a transformation of the way we think. Our mind needs to change. The way we think needs to change. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So the way we begin to change our heart and begin to change our nature is we need to change the way we think. A lot of us, the way we process things is what damages us because we've been believing a lie. We've been, it's self-deception. So number one, write this down. We have to remind ourselves what Jesus did for us. How quickly we forget what Christ had done for you and I. How quickly we forget the benefits of salvation. We have a lot of people that are saved but don't act like they're saved. We have a lot of people that are Christian but don't act like it. In other words, they still have things in their hearts and minds. They're filled with shame. They're filled with uncontrolled thought. They're filled with habits and fear, bitterness and insecurity. And the first step to being free is you have to remind yourself of what Christ has done for you. Uh, in other words, when you have the Spirit of God in you, it sets you free from shame and guilt. So let me read the first part here of Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. I love what it says. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. Don't let the devil condemn you. Don't let the uh, people condemn you. Don't let your mind and your guilt condemn you. 
It said, if you belong to Christ, there is no condemnation. What that means is God's judgment has passed over you because of what Jesus did in your life. He paid the price. He paid the punishment for your sin, for your shame, for your guilt. So you are no longer condemned by your sin because Jesus took it upon himself on the cross so that you don't have to go there. We didn't have to die on the cross. Jesus died on the cross, and he took all of our condemnation. Thank God for that. So what happens is when, as believers, when we sin, it doesn't say we're not going to sin. Because how many know we still have the sin nature that we're battling with? And so when we fail, when we make mistakes... When we sin, God's not waiting to strike judgment on you. See, that's condemnation. God's waiting to restore you. See, the reason why we have conviction is to bring us to a place of restoration. Condemnation brings us to a place of judgment. In fact, let me just kind of give you some insight here. There's the difference between conviction and condemnation. Some of us can't decipher the difference. And let me just tell you real quick a definition. Conviction is the awareness that you've done wrong. And the beauty of that awareness is the first step to change and repentance toward God. It leads you toward God. Meanwhile, condemnation attaches guilt and punishment where there's no space for growth, no space for change. There's only consequences and no solution. See, that's what condemnation does. There's no solution. You're bad. You're messed up. Why are you here anyway? You're all messed up. Everybody knows it. You're not fully no one. Why? You might as well just get up and go home. You're condemned. See, that's condemnation. Conviction says, yeah, you're wrong, but the answer is Jesus. Yeah, there's wrong in your life, but the healing comes from the Lord. Can you say amen? So it doesn't say that after we become a Christian, I won't sin. You're going to sin. It doesn't say I'm not going to make mistakes. It doesn't say that I'm not going to fail. But it does say that we're not under condemnation. So therefore, we don't need to walk around in shame and in guilt because Jesus Christ paid for your sin. The one that you did yesterday, the ones you're doing today, and the ones you're doing tomorrow and next week. The good news is Jesus Christ paid paid for all of those sins uh, so that you can come to him and be forgiven. So let me just say it this way. It doesn't mean that I don't commit sin, but I don't deliberately live in sin. That's the difference, right? We're going to sin, but we don't deliberately live in sin. So the Bible says here in verse 2, I'm going to keep reading here, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, For the power of the life-giving spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, has freed you through Jesus Christ from the power of sin that leads to death. In other words, I have Jesus Christ. I have this new power in me that's greater than willpower. It's called Holy Ghost power. And his Holy Spirit enables me to do the right thing. See, before we had Christ, we just operated out of our self-willpower. We just did it ourselves. And how many know that usually doesn't last? 
You, you kind of said, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to smoke anymore. I'm not going to, you know, uh, do this. I'm not going to smoke, chew, and go around with girls that do. Uh, I'm not going to do all of these things, right? Uh, and, and then before you knew it, you end up doing that. But you have a new power in you. And if you get connected with the Holy Spirit and his power, it enables you today to give you victory over these things that are trying to seduce you. Because how many know there's things that are trying to seduce you? So when you let the Holy Spirit, when you let God be on the throne of your heart, it's a new sheriff in town. And like I said yesterday, you have a new jefe, right? You have a new boss in your heart, and that's God. And you put him at the throne of your heart, and he empowers you to do what's right. So how do we allow the Holy Spirit to empower you? You cooperate with him. You surrender to him. You say, God, not my will, but your will. It's greater than willpower. In fact, the Bible says in verse 3 there that the law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. Uh, in other words, trying to keep God's law is not enough to save you. You ever talk to people and say, well, how do you know you're right with God? Well, I keep the Ten Commandments. You don't even know the Ten Commandments. You don't even know them all. I keep the Ten Commandments. You don't, you don't even know the Ten Commandments. How could you keep them? You don't even know them. And, and, and let me just tell you about laws. Laws only change outside behavior, not inside behavior. See, a lot of us, we could change on the outside, but it doesn't mean it's changing on the inside. In fact, if I brought a pig in here that was full of mud and, and muck and mire, and I brought him in here, and this pig, I mean, that's a pig right there. I mean, he, he's a big pig. I mean, he's got, you know, he's been in the garbage. He's been everything. And, and I got that pig, and we took him outside, and, and, and we began to hose him down. And, and then we put him in a bathtub uh, with uh, some soap and, and all of these things and, and uh, you know, some perfume on him, some a bath salt on him. And then, and then we rubbed him down a little bit with oil olay, and he looked really clean and soft. We put a ribbon around him. We put a little bonnet on his head. Uh, we put some false eyelashes on him, uh, maybe a little bit of lipstick. Uh, and, and we put a little dress on him, and I brought him back up here on the stage. How many know that's still a pig? You can dress it. You can clean it. But a pig's a pig. See, this is what happens with you and I. We can change the outside nature, but it's the inside nature that counts. Am I right? Sheer will, we can, we can put a tie on you, you can look clean, but it's the inside that needs changing. This is why only the Holy Spirit can change the inside. It's not about a bunch of laws. This is why I don't put my trust in politics. I don't put my trust in politicians. They can make all kinds of laws, but people just break them anyway. There's a lot of Christians who say, we need this law and that law and all of these things. I'm not saying it doesn't help, but my hope is not in law. My hope is in the power of the Holy Spirit who changes the nature inside a person. Cleaning up the pig doesn't change the nature of the pig. Verse 3 said, but God put into effect a different plan. Listen to what it is, to save us. He sent his only son in a human body like us, except it, he was sinless. And God destroyed sin's control over us by what? By giving us his son as a sacrifice 
for our sins. In other words, he gave us the power to make changes in our lives because he forgave us and therefore we can now change and the spirit of God empowers us. Verse 4 says, he did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully accomplished for us. Jesus paid the price completely the, the debt is settled. We don't owe anything. Jesus paid it all for us today. Therefore, he can change the way we think. We can change the way we behave. You can begin to change the way you look at things, the, your perspective, because the Holy Spirit is inside of you, empowering you to do what is right. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two, write this down. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you with your thinking, thinking. How many know the way we think stinks? It really does. I mean, it, it, it really stinks. Sometimes the way, the ideals that come to our mind, we need to pray that God will give us a healthier way of thinking. In fact, Romans 8 verse 6 says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mindset on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. So there's this mindset of the old nature and there's the mindset of the Holy Spirit. And he said, you need to have a change of mind. Your mindset needs to shift. He said, the sinful man leads to death but the, but the mind that's controlled by the Holy Spirit leads to life and peace. How many thank God for that? So there needs to be a change of your mind on how you think. You need to focus your mind on what God wants you to focus on. We keep focusing on all the things that we've done wrong. We keep focusing on all the things that we need to change. If you focus on all the things that you've done wrong, you're just going to end up doing wrong again. You need to replace what the old things you used to think about and replace it on thinking on new things. Did you hear me? In fact, I'll show you a scripture here. It's not part of Romans, but I like the scripture, Philippians 4, 8. I remember the scripture when my mind goes away and begins to drift. He said, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thought on what is true, on what is honorable, on what is right and pure lovely and admirable think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise see what gets your attention is what you're going to begin to focus on if you're always looking and focusing on junk if you're always uh, uh, looking at things that are wrong then that's where your mind's going to go that's why you need to get a little bit of the word, word of god in your life right you need to begin to focus on things that are, are righteous. You need to focus on things that are pure. That's why when we come to church, we're getting our mind focused on God. This is why we start in worship, because we want to focus our mind on God and who God is. We want to hear the word of God so we can focus on God's word. See, when I'm preaching, you're not on your phone, on Instagram and Facebook, right? You're focusing on the word of God. You're not looking at pictures and texting people. You're focusing on the word of God. You're listening to what God's word has to say so it could change your thought life. See, when the devil comes against you, it's called a temptation. But when God begins to speak to you, it's called inspiration. Somebody say amen. So let's set our mind on that. Verse 7 says this, the sinful mind is hostile to God. 
It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do it. So in other words, sheer willpower will never get the job done. Number three, realize this. I like this one. I realize I have a new ability now that I got God's spirit in me to say no. How many know, I'll be honest, even myself, before I got saved, I didn't have the ability to say no to my desires. I didn't have the ability to say no to some of the things that I wanted to do because I was operating out of sheer willpower. Willpower wears out. Doesn't last. But when I got the spirit of God in me, it now enabled me to say no. No, honey, I'm not going with you. No, honey, I'm, we're not talking. On your way. Are you listening to me? No, I'm not doing that. No, homeboy, we're, we're not getting together today. Are you hearing me? It, it's a way of saying no. See, a lot of these urges that we have or impulses that we have, when the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, you can say no that, to that. No, I'm not taking that. I'm not smoking that. I'm not drinking that. I got my mind on God, right? Galatians 5.16, let the Spirit direct your lives, and you will not satisfy the desires of the old human nature. See, if I let the Spirit live through me, it doesn't say I won't have the desires. It says I won't satisfy the desires. Why? Because I have the power of the Holy Spirit in me. Can you say amen? And so a lot of the natural desires the old man wants to do because I have the Holy Spirit in me, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Some of you say, well, can't, shouldn't we just do what's natural? If I feel like naturally punching you in the nose, should I be doing that? A lot of things we naturally want to do. I naturally want to cuss you out. I, I naturally want to slap you. I naturally want to shout back at you. You know, isn't poison ivy natural? Do you, you sleep on poison ivy every night? Is that, you know, the, it, it, you know uh, sharks are swimming naturally in the ocean. Do you dive in the middle of those uh, uh, sharks? Uh, no, uh, I, I just do what's natural. You're a fool. Amen. You're going to damage yourself. Uh, things are going to happen to your life. There are certain herbs and plants that are natural that you can't eat that will harm you, that are poisonous. So what do you do as you walk with God and the Holy Spirit is in you. It gives you ability to say no. That's called maturity. You're maturing in God. For those that are believers and you keep doing the same old thing, that means you're still a baby. You think like a baby. You think like a kid. The Spirit of God is not in power. That's why you keep doing the same old thing over and over. It, it, it becomes a cycle because you haven't matured yet. You haven't learned to let the Holy Spirit uh, begin to dictate your life, begin to uh, uh, lead your life. See, if we begin to do whatever we wanted to do, so we just wouldn't go to work. I mean, naturally, no, how many are excited about going to work on Monday? Ah, oh, I can't wait. You usually say, man, if there was a way out, I'd do it. Am I right? Romans chapter 8 verse 9 said, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are now controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and anybody who does not have the Spirit of God living in him does not belong to Christ. The question is, do you have all of God in you? This is why he says, so brothers and sisters, you have no obligation anymore to your old sinful nature to do what it begs you 
to do. So it's going to compel you. It's going to try to drive you. It's going to try to entice you to do what is wrong. But as a Christian, I now have the ability. I now have the power to say no to those compulsions, to say no to those things, because I know it's not good for me. These are self-destructing habits. I now have the power of God working in me. Number four, I need to turn my thoughts to God Whenever I feel afraid, because in Romans chapter 8, it does begin to talk about this fear that we have or this insecurity that we had. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Those who are led by God's spirit are God's children. For the spirit that God has given you does not make you slaves and cause you to be afraid. Instead, the spirit makes you God's children and by the spirit's power, we cry out to God, Father, my Father, or Abba, Father. How many know that's the uh, Aramic word for uh, when it says Father here, talking about Abba. That's not the rock band, Abba, okay? We're talking about Father like Daddy, okay? Uh, God's Spirit joins himself to our spirit to declare we are God's children. The Bible says his spirit joins our spirit. So in other words, there is this power of God that works in you. And it allows us now because we have the spirit of God in you. Uh, we are now part of the family of God. You belong to God. How many know when you belong to a family, uh, a good healthy family protects you, takes care of you, Right? A good, healthy family, man, defends you. Are you with me? You're, you're protected. You have a family. If, if you grew up in New York or in Chicago, you have La Familia. Let's say somebody tried to, to rob you and you say, my dad is Don Colion. They say, hey, we, we don't want to mess with you, right? We'll give you an offer you can't refuse, right? What, 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 is these, what, what, they, what they're saying is that this family protects you. You are now protected by God. He is your father, the great creator in heaven today, and you belong to him. So therefore, you don't need to have any fear in your life. You don't need to be controlled by fear. You don't need to be controlled by people. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. In 2 Timothy 1.7. So when you're controlled by the spirit of God and you belong to God, you don't need to walk in fear anymore. You belong to him. And number five, write this down. I'm trying to go as quick as I can. We need to focus on long-term and not short-term. This is a lot of our problem today. People are always focused on the short-term, not on the long-term. In fact, Harvard University did uh, a survey, or they did a study, and they found out that the more long-term you think, in other words, you're always thinking about the future, not the short-term, people are more successful Successful people think long-term. Unsuccessful people think short-term. Short-term people are always doing, if it feels good, I'm just going to do it. I don't care about the consequences. I don't care who's going to harm. And so you don't think long-term. You just think about the here and now. Here and now people are immature. And here and now people suffer consequences because they don't think about the long-term. Are you with me? You've got to think about the future, what you're doing right now. How does it affect your future? How does it affect your life? What's going to happen if you do this now? How does it affect you later? 
Are you with me? Or are you mad at me? I don't know which one. This is why as a believer, you should have this down because we're always thinking long term. We're thinking about eternity. We're thinking about being in the presence of God. We know that this world compared to eternity is just a trash can. If you're living for the here and now, guess what? At the end of the day, you're, it's all going to go back in a box. You're just going to be in the old box. That's it. You're going back to the grave if it's just the here and now. But we're talking about eternity. We know that this world, uh, you're going to either last 60, 70 years, maybe 80 years if you're lucky. But man, when you die, we are looking for the future. We're going to be in eternity in the presence of God. Uh, we're going to be living forever. So, so if we're thinking about 70 years, then it, it's not going to go very far. But if you're thinking about eternity, we think in long term, not short term. Here's what it says in Romans 8, 17. Since we are his children, we will possess. Look at what it's talking about. We will possess. Talking about the future. It says, since we are his children, we will possess the blessing he keeps for his family. And we also will possess with him Christ what God has kept for him. So the Bible is saying that there's a reward coming. I'm looking forward to that reward. There's a reward coming towards you because you're part of the family of God. You belong to him. And that's why we need to give everything that we can to God. We need to give God our time, our talent, and our treasure. Say, God, everything belongs to you. I'm changing. I'm shifting my priority. Everything belongs to you. And it says not only are you rewarded for your faithfulness, but you're also going to uh, co-ring co with Christ. You're also going to benefit for what God or Jesus Christ did. He says, we also possess with Christ what God has kept for him. So in other words, what Christ inherited, you also inherit because you belong to him. Are you listening to me? It's like Jesus is the star, but we're the co-star with him. Hallelujah. We're, we're, we're going to benefit and we're going to receive the benefits of God because of what Jesus did. It says, it says, for if we share in Christ's suffering, it said, we will also share his glory. I consider that we will suffer at this present time cannot be compared. In other words, this is small potatoes with all the glory that's going to be revealed. I am long-term thinking, not short-term thinking. And number six, are you ready? Remind yourself that God is good and he's in control no matter what. And see, if you're going to live victorious, and that's what I'm talking about as the believer, you've got to know and you've got to believe and you've got to be confident that no matter what's happening, God is still in control. Because if you don't, the weapon of self-destruction, bitterness is going to get a hold of you. You've got to get a perspective. Hey, no matter what's happening in my life, I got to remind myself that God is still good and he's still in control. No matter what's happening. Verse 19 to 25 in Romans chapter 8 really gives us something really powerful here. And I'm going to try to bring this out. I don't know if I'll cover the next point, but I think this is the good place right here. Everything created is subject to frustration, waiting to be liberated from bondage to decay. All creation, in other words, the whole earth, groans in pain like childbirth, and we groan inwardly. In other words, this world is groaning. The pain, the chaos, everything that's happening, our environment. It says even we groan. In other words, all the things that are happening in our lives. How many understand that we live in a broken world? 
We live in a world that's broken. We live in a world that's in pain. Let me just tell you, you're going to experience pain. Pain is not an option. I said pain is not an option. But bitterness is. And misery is. Pain is going to happen in your life. But bitterness is something you allow and misery you allow. This is why it says the spirit, look at here, verse 26 to 27. The spirit helps us with our weakness. We don't know how to pray as we should, but the spirit himself speaks for us. Okay? Spirit speaks for us with deep feelings that words cannot explain. God sees what's in our heart, and the Spirit speaks to God for his people in the way that God wants. So when we begin to groan in pain and all the things, have you ever been in a moment where you didn't have words to express to God what you were feeling? But the Holy Spirit began to give you a peace. Can you say amen? As you begin to pray in the spirit, as you begin to groan in the pain, that all somehow that the peace of God got a hold of you. I said the peace of God got a hold of you. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. That no matter what's happening in my life, that somehow God is going to work it for the good. I said, God is going to work it for the good. And this is why it's important today that, that we understand that God wants to meet our need, that God wants to meet whatever's happening in our life. And here's my last point, and, I, and I'm just going to just kind of go through it here. The last point is this. If I'm going to be a believer, and if I'm going to have victory, I always have to trust this. I have to trust that God will never stop loving me. Write that down. God will never stop loving you. Do you know that God loves you no matter what? No matter what you've done, whether you've done right or wrong, God still loves you. Romans 8.38 says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from his love. Death can't. Life can't. The angels can't. The demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love cannot be separated from you can't be separated from God's love by all of these things only your sin separates you but friend I'm telling you when you belong to God did you hear me when you belong to God he loves you he cares about you no matter what's happening in your life you can trust that God loves you today why don't we bar our heads and close our eyes for just a moment Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.